Hello and welcome to this episode of Spotlight with Sandhya. I hope you've been enjoying these programs where I talk to interesting people about their passion, work, life and more. Today's program will focus on the challenges faced by the media, arts and entertainment industry, basically my industry. And who better to discuss these than marketing maven and brand guru Harish Bijot of Harish Bijot Consults. This boutique consultancy has a huge presence in many parts of the world. And I'm very happy to tell you that Harish and I go a long way back. We were in college together. And he's been nice enough to appear in this episode of Spotlight with Sandhya and give his take on how we in the media, arts and entertainment industry can begin to move ahead in the era of the pandemic and its aftermath. Welcome, Harish. Hi. Thank you, Sandhya. Uh, pleasure being here. Okay. And uh, good to be uh, on your show. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. As always, we have a lot to catch up on. But right now, for the million dollar question that is facing us is, how do we even begin to survive? As you know, marketing and advertising are what keeps the media, arts and entertainment industry growing. And uh, now, not only have we stopped growing, we're unable to move. It's a bloodbath out there as far as the media is concerned. You must have been hearing about layoffs every single day. In fact, several times a day in print, television, online, anywhere you see it. The ad industry seems to be holding on for a little while, but let's see how long they're able to hold out. Entertainment industry, my performer friends, are in dire straits right now. What is your take, Harish? Because you have a pan-industry view about it. You've been in various segments of the economic working in FMCG. Name it, you've been there. And you've been where in that chair where you decide where the bucks are being spent. So now let us hear how we can stay out relevant and afloat in this time. Okay. Uh, firstly, you know, Sandhya, I'm doing a nasty task at this point of time, uh, okay. which is telling people where the bucks must not be spent. Uh, rather than telling where the bucks must be spent. Uh, not a good thing to happen because if you really look at it, you know, I think we are at a black swan moment in our lives. And uh, this black swan moment is much bigger than any black swan event that has hit our lives at any point of time. Because many of these were distant, you know, uh, whether you talk about 9-11, whether you talk about the Lehman Brothers crisis, whether you talk of the dot-com bus, you know, anything, they were all distant. With this crisis of COVID-19, uh, you know, it's too close and it's hit all of us quite badly. Therefore, uh, when I look at these three spaces that you define so well, uh, which is media and, uh, you know, entertainment and the arts, I think all these three spaces are in deep trouble at this point in time. But not to worry, because, you know, I think a black swan can be uh, dyed white, and uh, that white swan could be dyed blue at a point of time and it could fly the way you and I want to see it fly. But the point remains, and the point is that, you know, it, the economy uh, was not doing too well even before COVID-19. And if you talk India, uh, we weren't doing well at all. Now, if you really look at it, COVID-19 has made us tank even, even more dramatically. Uh, I do believe we're going to be shrinking in GDP terms by about 6%. And a 6% shrinkage on GDP terms 
of last year, over last year, is not a great thing to happen at all. Because we are shrinking salaries, we are shrinking the celebratory economy, we are shrinking everything that was celebratory. And media uh, thrives on the celebratory economy. Uh, entertainment thrives in the celebrated uh, economy. And therefore, you know, the arts also thrive in, in a celebratory economy. But the celebratory economy does not exist at this point of time. It's not on the stretcher, it is dead. And I think that is the key problem of today, which we need to turn turtle to make things go right for us. How do we begin to turn it around? That is where... Okay. Yeah, I, I knew you would come to that question because, you know, it's not about the problems, it's about the solutions. And I think you and I and every one of us in the strategy market should be talking solutions. And I think there are solutions. But these solutions must start with people in the realm of media, people in the realm of entertainment, people in the realm of arts. Let me start with the realm of arts for one. You know, uh, the realm of arts is a very sensitive realm. Uh, artists are not great marketeers. They were never meant to be marketeers. Uh, marketing is uh, anathema as far as artists are concerned. That's the way it should be. Artists are meant to be respected. Artists are meant to be, um, you know, elevated up to a particular level uh, on the basis, you know, what people think about these artists. But, you know, unfortunately today we seem to have a problem. Artists, friends of mine, have all been telling me that there are corporate entities, large corporate entities, which are asking them, inviting them to perform on webinars of theirs, on shows of theirs, to keep their employees occupied. Very big names in the industry. And guess what? They want it done gratis, free. You know, this is something which is an insult to the artist community. So how do we solve this? I think artists must combine together and say, we don't do free stuff. See, the moment you do something free, there is a certain degree of insecurity. And that insecurity must be broken. I'm not an artist, uh, but you, you know, possibly I am a public speaker. And over the last, during the lockdown period, if I've, I've done a total of 91 webinars, and out of, if I could have done about 200 webinars if I was doing it free as well. But I've not done a single free webinar, fundamentally because my belief is when something is given free, there's lack of respect to the person who's giving it free. I love to be with charity, but I wouldn't like to do this charity for a large corporate. A corporate which can pay, please pay me my fee, and I will contribute that to charity because I contribute to charities. But leave that volition with me. I'm not going to do charity to a big corporate like you, my dear friend. I think this attitude must come in the artists in the first place, first of all. You know, uh, anybody in the entertainment industry must stand up for their value and say, we bring value to the table and this value needs to be respected. Money and monetization is a way of respecting that value. I'm looking for that. So the first step starts with us. The second step is uh, forming a conglomeration. I mean, everybody working together and bringing back the buzz. You know, one of the things that we have suffered in the last 67 days to the point of today is that we have been down in the dumps because it is a COVID call, as I call it, which is affecting our lives. And all of us are morose 
all of us, our minds are in turmoil. Our bodies are in turmoil. We haven't been able to work out as much as you and I want to. We haven't been able to do all the kind of creative work we want to do, possibly outside. And I think what we need to do is now say, bring the buzz back. And I think people in media, people in entertainment, and people in the arts are the prime movers of this hashtag, bring the buzz back. Bringing buzz back is certainly a mandate which all of us must follow. And the third thing, after bringing buzz back, first of all, standing up and saying, no free stuff, there are no free lunches, there are no free webinars, there are no free music shows, there are no free stand-up comedies, there are no free nothing. Secondly, saying that, you know, let's come together and bring buzz back. And the third thing is, once the buzz is back, I think artists must really focus on community once again. I think, you know, artists are talking community, but sometimes artists also go off track and really talk with individual. I think gone are the days of talking the language of the individual. I think the individual is the smallest unit of society. That individual unit is a very selfish unit. We must be talking a little more. I mean, my family of five and a half people and my community uh, in which I live. And I think that is going to reinvent the arts movement back and reinvigorate uh, it uh, into every activity that you want to pursue. I think that's a very, very valid point you made, Harish, especially the one of coming together as a community because, you know, the well-established artists are the ones who would find it easy to monetize their performances. But what about the ones who are starting now? on the yeah. ones that who do not have as powerful a voice or even a demand, they would find it difficult unless the whole community decides to band together and stay united. I think that's a very valid message that you're sending out, saying stay united, don't do anything for free, and that's how you can bring the buzz back, right? Okay, yeah. so, you know, um, you've always been ahead of the curve, uh, Harish. You know, you've done, uh, I think, like 16,000 hours of talking to audiences across the globe. And ever since the lockdown happened, you have done 85 webinars. So tell me, um, what are the pros and cons of doing these online uh, talks and events? Okay. Uh, see, uh, in the older days, when I used to do keynote addresses, which is the standard thing, a one-hour keynote, I would fly to Delhi in the morning, do one keynote and fly back, spend my whole day, you know, from my home to the airport, from the airport to, to Delhi and Delhi to the hotel and perform there in terms of deliver a one-hour uh, strategy, uh, strategy-oriented kind of a talk and then come back. Now, now you know, what uh, online has suddenly done is it's reduced that entire bandwidth to say that, hey, listen, guys, I don't have to spend a full day and tire myself out, uh, but you know I can actually do it with one hour inter uh, interaction, which I can do online. Now that's very good because you know it actually uh, is the pro of it for me. But when it comes to personalization, when it comes to audiences, you know there's a little bit of a loss in translation, mm -hmm. and then now a loss in translation is I cannot be as animated as I want to be. The most I can do is I can come close to the camera and look into people's eyes or I can point at them. I can use devices of every kind, you know, and throw stuff up, etc. But, but the point is, if you want to keep an audience engrossed, you can keep an audience engrossed 
uh, with two things. One is content, which is riveting, as storytelling, possibly which is equally riveting, and of course, device use. Some of these things you can't do online. The beauty of online is the fact that audiences are fantastically uh, diverse, uh, dispersed uh, across geographies. Uh, most of my webinars, you know, suddenly you will see that most of my webinars are at 6 p.m. in the evening. The moment you see a 6 p.m. in the evening kind of a webinar, it means the audience is global because people are waking up all over the world at that point of time and they're joining, they're able to join and Indian is able to join thinking at 6 o'clock, somebody from Pakistan, somebody from uh, Sri Lanka, everybody is joining. So this business of saying the world is actually uh, getting very, very approachable. But at the same time, uh, my prices aren't going uh, that way as yet. In the sense that, you know, my one is to one uh, seminar, uh, the same kind of a price I would be able to command, command on a webinar as well, unfortunately, which it shouldn't be. Because if you're talking to an audience of 600, you would charge a fee, uh, which is different. But if you're talking to an audience of 20,000, like it does happen on my, one or a couple of my webinars, then you need to be able to chart that. But then that's the downside. Over a period of time, I think, you know, it, this is a great way of doing things. But I think the future is going to be hybrid. It's going to be persona, personal appearances. It's going to be webinars and a mix of the two. Right. In fact, um, that's one of the things that I was contemplating, you know, as the way forward. Have a few live and very select premium events and have mass events online, which will feed into the, you know, live events. I think that could be a way forward for uh, most artists. Absolutely. But uh, one piece of advice, I mean, you know, advice is something uh, I must give on this. Charge something or the other for it. Charge 11 rupees. Okay. Charge 101 rupees per person. But charge something. Uh, because, you know, I think this business of freebies destroys a lot of things in the, in the situation that we are in at this point of time. There are no free lunches. That's always a tricky situation for people like me who are, you know, uh, become promoters of the arts, right? From being a writer and a publisher and a editor, I've become an arts promoter and I've been holding under the rain tree, you know, uh, women's cultural festivals. And I am under a lot of pressure constantly because people don't want to pay to come and see anything. That's why we have this runaround behind sponsors and this whole caboodle that once you open yeah. up, you know what it is. So this is a very tricky situation for people like me and several of my friends because we do want to keep promoting the arts, but how do we do it in these times when nobody is willing or nobody is able to spend? But I do note your point. And uh, that brings me to another um, uh, tricky question. Suppose an artist were to view themselves as a brand and uh, how do they go about getting the right mix of uh, customers? So on the one hand, you would say your audience is your um, customer. Also, you're the brand that sponsors you. Because these days you can't do anything without a brand sponsorship. Nobody is ever going to be able to pay for the music and you know the lights and the setting and all that. Even at a reduced scale, even you know when we are able to entertain 30, 50, 100, you still cannot go down on the quality. So now, how does an artist go about pleasing both the um, audience uh, the, as well as the 
sponsors and how do they build themselves as a brand? Okay, uh, reminds me of a recent webinar which I did, uh, which I titled as the branding of art and the art of branding. You know, the branding of art is very, very important, my dear friends. Uh, but at the same time, uh, branding itself is an art. So the branding of art and the art of branding are actually, it's actually a bull in a china shop subject. You go to a pure artist, I respect artists one hell of a lot. You go to a pure artist and you understand the space they come from. They come from the space of pure art, artistry, uh, you know, sensitivities, sensibilities, which are completely different and opposed to crass branding. Branding is crass. Branding is, you know, at times somebody telling you, put up a play, and in the play, I will have my cola bottle in the center somewhere where, where people can see it. And I can imagine how an artist feels when dictated by these kind of things. But the reality is the bullet must be bitten at some point of time. There are two participants out here. One participant is your audience and your audience of human beings out there. The other participant is your sponsor, uh, a human being as well, hopefully, a person who pays the money. Now the thing is, it's extremely important to ensure that you're skewed 80 towards your audience and only 20 towards the sponsor. Actually, sponsors understand that because sponsors understand that if they push for more than 20 bang for the buck from an artist, it is like doing injustice to the space of art itself. Therefore, however, there are artists who are possibly willing to do a 50-50. I think that is unfair to the audience because extremely critical to leverage anything that comes from the realm of art to uh, the consumer of the art rather than to the person who's paying uh, the, the money uh, for staging that art. I think it's extremely important to balance it, to have an ethos statement and, and talk to your sponsors in that tone, tenor and decibel. Which brings me to yet another painful question. You know, if there's one complaint that I keep hearing over and over again, it's about information overload that's happening. There's content coming in free or paid or, you know, your neighbor next door or people like me or people like you and a whole over, all over the place. So in this difficult time, how do you stay relevant and how do you break through the clutter? And who best to answer? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me put it this way. Uh, you know, these are sensitive times. And during sensitive times, uh, you know, we've gone through a phase of 66 days, let's say 65, 66 days. The first two weeks were the most sensitive days of the lockdown. These are days when the consumer is in a tizzy, the consumer is anxious, high anxiety levels, there's fear in the consumer, and the consumer is very antsy, and the consumer is not willing to listen at all. The consumer is on a talking mode. He, she, and they are talking more and listening less. He, she, and they are talking 99 and are willing to listen maybe only one. And at that stage, you, the marketer, you, the artist, you, whoever, must not talk to them. You must just listen to them. So phase one is listening to them. Two weeks down the lockdown, this is as per research exercise we carried out in 18 cities in India. 
two weeks down the line, you will find that people are opening up a little more. They are a little more accustomed to the lockdown, to everything that happens. They are used to doing the bartan, jhadu, pocha, and they are experts at it now. They know this is a life for a period of time. And now they're willing to listen 10. So in the second phase, they were listening 10 and they're talking still 90. Even at this phase, I think brands and artists must talk to them uh, in, a, in a very mild manner, not in that crass, in your face, in the solar plexus uh, kind of a manner, which brands are used to. The information overload should be killed altogether because WhatsApp University has done that already. All the negative information is gone. Don't add to that level. Phase three is when people are listening 50. We have entered a phase now at this point of time in day 65, 66, when people are willing to listen as well. Now comes the time when the brand must act as a palliative. You, Sandhya, are a brand. Now you must not go to them and say, I am the brand. No, you are a bomb. You are a palliative to their frayed nerves. You understand the two weeks they went through, the three weeks they went through, and the next two weeks they're going through. So the brand needs to be a palliative. Very frankly, my research tells me that people who are coming out of the lockdown in India today are totally challenged. They're physically challenged, they're mentally challenged. People are looking for help on the physical front and on the mental front. So if you really look at it, the brand must take care of both these fronts. And artists must be able to cater to the needs, wants, desires, and aspirations of the lockdown-free entity. Hopefully on the 1st of June, everybody will be out there. And at that stage, you cannot still talk to them insensitively like brands have been speaking to them in the past. The brand as a bomb. That is important. That's excellent, Harish. And I think the brands have to reflect the new humans that we all have to become, right? Be more sensitive, be listen more, react less strongly, taking time to absorb, imbibe, and be more uh, positive and give more of ourselves. I think brands should learn to do that. And artists, of course, are just the channel to... Uh, you know, connecting every human's deeper thoughts and desires to the world at large. And I sincerely hope that the brands do see this and will reach out to artists to convey their message in this most beautiful and esoteric manner possible. This episode of Spotlight with Sandhya has certainly been bang for our buck or my buck. And um, it's been a pleasure talking to Harish Bichur, the marketing guru, and brand specialist who has given us wonderful insights which all of us will do well to heed, especially in the world of art, media, and entertainment. See you on the other side. Thank you for watching. Thank you. Namaskar. Please subscribe to the Raintree Media channel on YouTube and do send in your suggestions of people you would like to see me interview on Spotlight with Sandhya.